0: Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, I'm in a little better mood than what I was on Wednesday. I've just kind of come to grasp over the fact that the Buffalo Bills will not be playing this weekend. And it's fun, it's fun, it's fun, but we do have some good matchups this weekend. And we've got some other things to talk about as well. But before we get into anything of the sort, let's make sure to go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is BlackmanLogan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show one Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow and like the Facebook page. Check out a few blog posts that are on there. Check out a few videos on the YouTube channel, which we have not uploaded on in quite some time, but might as well just go check it out anyways. And then again, you're listening right now. If you're not 100% sure, go on and check to make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. And if you haven't already, leave a rating out of five stars. It could be a five-star rating. It could be a one-star rating. I don't really care. Just as long as you leave a rating, but leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do, whether it's good, bad, ugly. Do not care. Do not care what your rating is. Just tell me why. And it could be about the whole show. It could be about an individual show. It could be about a topic. It could be literally anything you want on why you gave it the rating you did. Just let me know. All right? Just let me know. Now, like we said, there is some big-time NFL playoff action going on this weekend and it's exciting it's exciting these two teams the four teams that are playing two of these teams will be taking on each other in the Super Bowl and I'm I'm bad with this kind of stuff like I you used to know Roman numerals I think you learned about it in like second grade or something like that and I never learned about it the rest of my time throughout my educational life or something like that like we had a clock in our living room I think my parents got us a wedding present, which they got married back in 95. We've had this clock my, over my entire life, and it's set on our fireplace, and it's all Roman numerals. Like, I got the general, you know, gist down of, like, 1 through 5 at least, and then once you get past 5, then I start getting a little, okay, is that it, is that... But once you get to, like, the 40s and 50s, like we were getting to in the Super Bowl, we're in the 50s now, but once you get to those levels... I get lost. That's why I really liked Super Bowl fifty. Was that the one I think that was the one with the Broncos and Seahawks, the one the Seahawks absolutely obliterated the Denver Broncos? So that was back in what? That had to be like 2014. So if we do the quick math, we're like in Super Bowl 57 right now, I think. Is that the Super Bowl, Ron? Hold on. Oh, I got my arm twisted around in my, my headphone cord. Super Bowl L V I I. What is this? Super Bowl L V I I. What Super Bowl what numbers is this? What number is this? Can someone tell me? Why, why is Wikipedia being a pain in the ass? Why is it not telling me who or what the picks or what the numbers are? I don't want to do an extra Google. Okay, L-V-I-I, Roman numerals. What does that mean? Oh, pff, you know what? You know what? I'll take that. I'll take that 100% of the time. 57. 57. I'm big-brained like that. I'm super smart like that. I know Roman numerals. When I said I didn't know Roman numerals, ha, joke get played I knew that the entire time that LVII obviously is 57 obviously I knew the five was a V so I I guess that makes sense is L50 five's a V and then the two okay yeah okay that makes sense I guess I could have figured that out myself I knew five and two I guess I could have guessed that part so I had 57 but I, I wasn't looking at it before I even guessed that so you can't even hold that on me but in this in the playoffs right now obviously again the Buffalo Bills lost last weekend so we do not have them in the AFC title picture We have the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. That is the late game this weekend. So we got that game on Sunday at 5.30. The Niners and Eagles takes place on Sunday at 2 on Fox for the Niners game and the CBS for the Bengals game. And I'm really excited for both. Like, these are really, really good matchups. I can be all pissy about, oh, the Bills didn't make it this far. Bills got eliminated by the Bengals and absolutely got embarrassed in the playoffs by the Cincinnati Bengals. And I I can be upset. I can be upset, but – I'm sitting here looking at this game, and I'm like, man, this is actually pretty fun. This is the second straight year these two teams have met in the AFC Championship game with the Bengals coming out on top last year. They're 3-0 and in the last three games against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Bengals are. And players on the Bengals' sideline, when they won on Sunday, were chanting, we're going to Burrowhead. We're going to Burrowhead. Now, Joe Burrow, I believe, has only played there once. Because I know they beat him. I think they beat them twice in Cincinnati. I know they beat them last year in the regular season, like the second last week of the year in Cincinnati. Was this year in Cincinnati too? Because they obviously played in the AFC Championship game in Kansas City because that's the only place the NFL likes the AFC Championship game to go. And I know I complained before the playoffs started about the Bills losing the one seed, but after what happened this past Sunday, I don't even care. It do not bother me no more. I don't really care. That team did not deserve the number one overall seed in the AFC. But I'm trying to remember, was it in Kansas City or in Cincinnati the last time they met in the regular season, so earlier this year? Which one was it? Because I don't think it was in Kansas City, was it? Yeah, it was in Cincinnati. So, Burrowhead, he's only played there one time. <laughs> he hasn't played there any other time. So, it's kind of weird to call it Burrowhead. But, hey, it's the Bengals. They're a weird team. I like them for the most part. I like a lot of their players. I dislike some of their players as well. But they, they do a really weird job at, like, self-motivation. And, you know, I'm 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 about that. It's okay if you want to motivate yourself by any means possible, regardless if it's real or not. Like the whole better make sure you have your refunds with the whole AFC Championship game with them selling tickets beforehand, even though they were selling tickets to the AFC Championship game in Cincinnati as well, because that's what you do. Or you have uh, this one, Burrowhead. He's won. He's never lost at Burrowhead, which is true. Which is true, but uh, he's only played there one time. Burrowhead. Burrowhead, which is just a... It doesn't. Fl- I know you got the, like the, the double R-O-W at the end of it, but it doesn't, it doesn't hit the same as Arrowhead. Burrowhead, Arrowhead, I know it ends. Like it's, it's whatever. It's whatever. But the last time we talked about this game was Wednesday, obviously, and the Cincinnati Bengals were favorites in this game. Were favorites. They were like a two-and-a-half-point favorite or something like that going into the game on Wednesday, and now we're sitting here, it's a one-point favorite swinging the other way towards Kansas City. Kansas City Chiefs are now the favorite, which they should be because they're the home team. And we talked about it on Wednesday, about how everybody in the NFL, not everybody, but clickbait media, which is something, or clickbait journalism, which is a lot of things, which is something a lot of people in the national media kind of go towards. Like, I remember seeing a clip of Nick Wright a few years ago. You know Nick Wright, a big brain guy himself, you know, very smart, very intelligent, always well thought out in everything he says. He goes out there on his Instagram Live, I think. It was either Instagram Live or he recorded a video or something or on his FaceTime. I don't remember what it exactly was. But he was talking about the NBA, talking about they don't care in the national media about the Denver Nuggets. The national media does not care about the Nuggets or Jokic dominating the league. Jokic might go on to win his third MVP this season, but you ain't really hearing a lot of people talk about it, because everybody in the national media cares about the big hitters like the Lakers and LeBron James. Like, clickbait media is something that actually is prevalent right now in sports journalism, and you're looking at it like... What can we talk about with the Bengals and Chiefs game, which you don't need to sell that game any more than it already has. You met them; They met in the AFC Championship game last year. You don't really need to make up any points to try and like sell this game more than it already is. It's already a massive-ass game. You don't need to make up stuff. Like I respect the hell out of Joe Burrow we said in the, the, play, the quarterback rankings a few weeks ago. Burrow's number three, and I still believe that. I think Burrow's the third-best quarterback in the NFL. But he ain't better than Patrick Mahomes. Like that media thing did not need to happen. And I saw it a little too often this weekend about, or this like in the past few days about Burrow possibly being better than Mahomes. If the Bengals win this weekend is Burrow the best quarterback in the NFL. And the answer is a resounding no. I mean, I love Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, if Josh Allen didn't exist, Joe Burrow would be my favorite quarterback in the NFL and Lamar Jackson right there behind him. Those are my two other favorite quarterbacks in the NFL, apart from Josh Allen, obviously because he plays for my team. But, like, come on, guys. We're better than this. And I know I talked about this on the show Wednesday about how people are talking about, oh, Josh Allen got more praise for losing to the Chiefs than Joe Burrow did winning because the numbers are very much in Josh Allen's favor. Burrow did not play anywhere near as well as Josh Allen did against the Kansas City Chiefs last year. Even regular season this year, Josh Allen played better against the Chiefs this year than Joe Burrow did against the Kansas City Chiefs this year. And I understand where people are coming from to a certain extent. Let's just talk about Burrow versus Allen, okay? That's a big thing. Because Mahomes, I think, at this point in time, I know we've had like discussions about Josh Allen being the best quarterback in the NFL throughout the show, but Joe, Joe, Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP. He was the resounding first-team All-Pro. He got 49 of the 50 votes for All-Pro. Jalen Hurts was the only one that got that one. We'll talk about Jalen Hurts here in a little bit. But those two, plus Burrow and Allen, are MVP finalists with Justin Jefferson. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But... Burrow versus Allen, I think Burrow what I love about Joe Burrow is that no moment phases he looks calm at every single moment he looks calm at every single moment I think you know what you're going to get from him every single time, which is consistency you want that consistency from the quarterback position and sometimes that weighs heavily on a lot of people out there for who's the best quarterback in the NFL but I don't think he's ever reached a high like Josh Allen has, I understand he's gone to a Super Bowl, I understand that I understand he just beat the Bills in the playoffs I understand he's in his second straight AFC championship game, but he's not better than Josh Allen. He's not better than Mahomes. He's comfortably sitting in third. I don't want to make it sound like Joe Burrow's way outside the top 10 or out, even outside the top five. It's guaranteed three, solidified three. But you look at the highs of Burrow and you look at the highs of Allen and Mahomes, they're not really close. The highs of Allen are supernova. Like I've never seen Joe Burrow. He's had some really good games in his NFL career. You look at the Chiefs game in the regular season last year. He had a very good game in that one. But he's never reached the same heights as Josh Allen in regards to top-level performance from a quarterback position. I know he's un- I understand the team he has been on has gone farther in the playoffs than Josh Allen's team has. But I think again we're past the point of wins being a direct quarterback stat. I think we're past that point. If you still believe that quarter, wins are a guaranteed quarterback stat, I'm sorry, there's no help for you. I can't, really, I can't really help you understand that. Because this goes back to the same thing about people give Josh Allen more respect for beat, losing to the Chiefs and Joe Burrow winning because Josh Allen played better. That loss is not on Josh Allen. That loss to the Chiefs in the playoffs last year is not on Josh Allen. They had the lead with 13 seconds left and he never touched the ball again the rest of the game. Because remember, this is what happened when the NFL pandered to the Bills because they changed the overtime rules. Because remember, the Bills cannot lose in overtime. They're pandering to the Buffalo Bills and are just making it so much easier, even though the Bills, you know, were one of the teams that asked for the rule change. But that's not beside the point because that doesn't fit our narratives again because it's not clickbait worthy. And you know, people on social media, there's stupid fans everywhere. There's stupid fans in every single fan base. No fan base is perfect, but Bills Mafia is definitely the most vocal fan base on social media like it's not even close uh, maybe it's just because I follow a lot of Bills fans out there but every time you see a tweet like this like from either Nick Wright or like Bomani Jones which you haven't seen a lot from Bomani Jones recently but look back at like Josh Allen's second third year in the NFL especially his rookie year then you'll see a lot of tweets from Bomani Jones regarding Bills Mafia and stuff like that like when they traded Tyrod Taylor that was a whole thing I, I, we've discussed that on the show before in the past but they're going to do things that gets clicks and they know if they trigger Bill's Mafia for a team that has not had a quarterback since Jim Kelly and they've had 16 different quarterbacks since then. Yeah, they're going to get a little upset if you come out and target that person. It's the same thing we talked about with the Browns fans when they came after Baker Mayfield. But the difference is Josh Allen shites on Baker Mayfield. <laughs> it's a big, there's a big difference. I think if the Browns could go back, they draft Josh Allen first overall in the 2018 draft. I don't think they draft Baker Mayfield again. Noticing that they traded for a, um, you know, uh, Mr. Good Guy, Deshaun Watson, who settled out of court, so that means he's innocent, Watson, for it got rid of Baker Mayfield. So it's kind of, <laughs> I don't think they'd go back. If I don't think if they went back in time, they'd take Baker Mayfield again. Just given how that whole situation worked out, in a normal circumstance, yeah, trading for Deshaun Watson's fine, because Deshaun Watson at his peak is way better than Baker. But <laughs> we're not dealing with normal circumstances here. And I guess you can make the argument this year that Baker actually played better than Deshaun Watson, given the circumstances. Like, getting cut from the Panthers, we're not talking about the first half, but when they both played at the same time, like when Deshaun Watson came back in Week 13 and Baker started playing for the Rams, I think you could say, actually, Baker was better for the Rams in a worse circumstance than Deshaun Watson was with the Cleveland Browns. I think you can make that argument. I think you can make that argument. Sometimes the grass isn't always greener. Like, you look at the current situation with the New York Jets, possibly looking at Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk about that in a little bit. They just made a hire today that will spark a lot of intrigue in regards to the Jets' quarterback position. But again, the main thing we're talking about here is where Burrow ranks in regards to being the upper echelon of NFL quarterbacks, which again, he's securely in there. He's securely among the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But he's not better than Mahomes, and he's not better than Allen. I think Allen and Mahomes are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that. And I'm fairly confident saying that. And I feel like just watching Josh Allen over the past couple of years, I understand that he's had a little bit of a turnover problem recently. But, I mean, was Brett Favre not considered a top-two quarterback in his day day Dude won three straight MVPs. Dude won three straight MVPs, and then won a Super Bowl in between those three MVPs. So, are the, are the turnovers uh, not great? Yeah. But when you're asked to do so much and are trying to cover up the blemishes of every single spot on the roster, then, yeah, you're going to force the ball into a little bit. And that's where I would understand where Burrow and Allen differ. Like we said before, Burrow's really calm. Burrow's a calm, cool, collected character. He's got the nickname Joe Cool for a reason. He comes from the same mindset that Joe Montana did back in the day when Joe Montana won four Super Bowls and three Super Bowl MVPs. He's a cool, calm character. He's not going to force anything, but that's what helps when you have other pieces around you. With Josh, you see him trying to run out of the pocket. You see him try to make plays in the run game. You see him try to force the ball into places because the O-line. I know the Bengals had third string offensive line on Sunday. They absolutely dominated the Bills offensive line. Neither one of their O-lines are very good. The Bills offense is so heavily predicated on Josh Allen being just Josh Allen. It's the same thing the Baltimore Ravens have. Exact same thing the Baltimore Ravens do. That's why they fired Greg Roman. Greg Roman. But the Bills are going to stick it out with Glenn, oh geez, Glenn Dorsey, not Glenn Dorsey, Ken Dorsey for another season. At least that's what it sounds like from the Brandon Bean press conference. And that's another thing. Brandon Bean has been taking a lot of flack on Twitter recently, and someone quote, tweeted out a clip from his press conference from, I think, Wednesday. I don't remember what day it was. It was Wednesday or Thursday. I don't remember exactly. Well, today's Thursday, so it's not today. Either Wednesday or Tuesday. I don't remember exactly when the press conference had when Bean spoke, because I didn't watch it. I was kind of tired of watching everything that was going on with the press conferences of the team this year. My dad and I watched Josh Allen on Monday, and that was pretty much it. But they're clipping a thing from Bean who said, I don't want to suck enough to get Jamar Chase. And people are taking that like he's taking a shot at the Bengals. But again, this is another situation where the Bengals needing some false narrative to motivate themselves. No, you don't want to suck to take a top five player in the draft. You don't want to suck enough to have a top five pick. Mike Tomlin said the same exact thing about Chase Young a few years ago. He said, to Chase Young, you can watch the Mic'd Up clip. It's on NFL.com or NFL's uh, YouTube page. You can go find the clip. He's talking about, hey, I don't want to suck enough to get you. That's more of a compliment than anything. It's more of a compliment. But people are taking it off and running with it. I was like, I don't know what the hell going on with that take. Like, why this is getting blown out of proportion. Like, oh, my God, you're taking shots at the Bengals? Not really. Is anybody taking shots at the Bengals here? Like, even Barstool Sports tweeted it. Brandon Bean, I don't want to suck bad enough to get Jamar Chase. It would suck to have that guy. That's not what he's saying. Like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You're just trying to get, like, it's the same thing with Stephon Diggs freaking out and then people coming after him. Same exact thing. You got to try and find clicks somewhere because that's what generates things. It's not actually being accurate or actually being, uh, you know, inferring it right or listening to what he said rather than try, oh, man, he's just mad that he lost the Cincinnati Bengals and got blown out doing it, so he's going to try and bash the team that blew him out. No, it's not what the quote is at all. But that's what people are taking it as. And it's beyond frustrating. It's beyond frustrating. But, man, I don't know. It's fun. It's fun. So, yeah, getting Jamar Chase. And that only I, that's a compliment to the Bengals, again, because the only reason they got, or more of a compliment to Joe Burrow, the only reason they took Jamar Chase because Joe Burrow was there. That's the only reason. If Joe Burrow wasn't their quarterback, they would have probably taken Penesula or Rashawn Slater. They would not have taken Jamar Chase. If it was any other, it was if it was Joe Schmo at quarterback, they're not taking Jamar Chase. It was the connection between those two at LSU, and which is why they took a guy that hadn't played football in a year. And we said that on the show numerous times that that was the smart pick. And people started bashing. I've seen things on social media for freezing cold takes, talk about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow in like a ATV type thing. And they're sitting there, and the caption of the tweet is riding in the fourth place, like, riding to the fourth place, the AFC North, like, or something like that. And it's, it couldn't have aged more poorly now the fact, since Jamar Chase has been in Cincinnati, again, they've been to two straight AFC Championship games. And I watched back the highlights a little bit today or some clips on Twitter from the Bills Bengals game and how wide open. They sent a safety. They sent Taron Johnson on a blitz on Jamar Chase's touchdown. They sent a safety, a, a Taron Johnson blitz on Jamar Chase's touchdown. When he's wide-ass open. Like, you cannot look at that game and say Joe Burrow blasted Josh Allen. The two touchdowns he had were busted coverages. You can go watch back. Like, the similar stats and everything. I think the Bengals actually dominated the Bills. I think the B- Bengals off to play, can't play calling with Callahan was spot on. I think Lou Amarillo dominated on defense. But Burrow was not, like, head and shoulders above Allen in that game. He had two touchdowns were wide open. I'm not saying that they're easy like, – you still got to make movements in the pocket. You got to be able to read the defense well. But it's not that he blasted Allen in that game. So now we're just discarding Allen because Burrow won again. Burrow beat Allen. He beat Mahomes last year. So now everybody's got that whole narrative that Burrow is is top two, not two type thing. But he's not top two, not two, not one. He's actually um, number three. And again, that's no disrespect. That's no disrespect to Joe Burrow. And Mahomes will win MVP. Like, you cannot... I think it's fu- the timing of this is so funny because you can't say that when Mahomes just got 49-50 to first-team all vote, first all-pro votes and is going to go on to win his second MVP. It's a really weird time to drop that line, isn't it? Isn't that such a weird-ass time to drop that line that Joe Burrow's better than Mahomes? I don't think anybody out there who's actually sane believes that Joe Burrow's better than Mahomes. I don't think that's a thing that happens. I don't think that's a thing that happens. and I dislike the Chiefs as much as the next person. I'd rather have the Bengals win than the Chiefs win. I hate the Chiefs. And again, that comes from living in Iowa. I deal with a lot of Chiefs fans on the daily. One of my closest friends is a Chiefs fan. He's been on the show before. I don't know any Bengals fans. I know one Bengals fan. I don't know any here in the state of Iowa. So I can deal with the, Chiefs, the Bengals being good. I cannot deal with a team that's three hours away, two and a half, three hours away from me, and most of the people I went to college with at William Penn being Chiefs fans from Missouri. So I don't need that. I don't need that. So I'm perfectly fine with the Bengals winning. And Mahomes, this was a whole thing as well with Mahomes. Uh, if Mahomes plays, if Mahomes plays. No, Mahomes is always playing this game. Mahomes is always playing this game. And I think it's funny. So Mahomes had the, the high ankle sprain. I don't know if you guys have seen this about the possibility of DeMar Hamlin clone. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Awesome, to- again, clickbait journalism about a possible DeMar Hamlin clone. So there was a clip of Mahomes... Because the main thing with the DeMar Hamlin clone thing is that there were people who were running with that. They never showed his face or he's wearing sunglasses and a balaclava the entire time, which if you're under that circumstance, wouldn't you want to avoid talking to people as much as possible or don't want to get your picture taken or want to get everywhere as fast as possible, get away from everything and just be there for the team without being a distraction. And then you got the, Oh, they're not showing his face in the press box. Well, they're not going to stick a camera directly in his face, obviously. Why would they run up in front of him and just shove a camera right in his face? He's sitting in the front row of the press box. Where are they going to stick the camera other than behind him? You can't put it anywhere else. But there was a clip of Mahomes leaving his press conference today, and you couldn't see his face. You could only see the side of his face, which is the only thing you could see at DeMar Hamlin. And then he jumped. He had a hop, skip, and a jump off the podium today. So do we know that's really Patrick Mahomes? Because I know the high ankle sprain, because there's all these you know quote-unquote doctors out there, the Twitter doctors, you know, all those super cool guys. Are coming out on Twitter saying, Oh, this can't happen, he can't do this, this is ignoring the stuff from the hospital and stuff like that, where he's, you know, flexing or he's moving his arms everywhere because he broke his ribs, which takes about a month to heal. And he's uh, he's at a month right now, or around a month right now. I understand it could take multiple it can take two months to heal, but every rib will heal differently. Not every rib broke the exact same spot, the exact same distance, and everything else than that. They can heal differently. You can move your own- I broke ribs before. So I understand exactly where, not well, completely different circumstance. Completely different circumstance. But I, I, I broke ribs before. And Mahomes, you never saw his face. And with a high ankle sprain, that's about a, I don't know, a two-week process to heal from. He wouldn't definitely be hop, skipping, and jumping if he really had a high ankle sprain. Otherwise, that's not Patrick Mahomes. And there's a dead Patrick Mahomes somewhere else without a leg. I think we got to talk about this. Do you see him in the press box, like in the, the practice facility as well? He's jumping around, he's skipping, like it's not moving around like somebody who has a high ankle sprain. I think this is something we have to talk about. I think this is something we have to talk about here. But no, Mahomes is always gonna play this game. Mahomes is always gonna play this game. Jokes aside, Mahomes is gonna play. There was not a reality. Mahomes' foot would have actually needed to fall off for him not to play this game. And even then, I wouldn't even be completely convinced that he wouldn't play this game. You're talking about the the most competitive people in the United States. Granted, yes, they're paid a lot of money, but these are hyper-competitive athletic people who want to win. When Mahomes won his first Super Bowl, his second year in the NFL, wins an MVP, or third year in the NFL, sorry, second year as a starter, wins a Super Bowl, and everybody starts throwing, oh, he's Russell Wilson 2.0, he's never going to win a Super Bowl again. He's going to keep losing Super Bowls and do all that stuff. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants to win another one and people that were in the offseason talk about the Chiefs are done because Tyreek Hill got traded to Miami, I'm sure that sits with him in the back of his head. Tyreek Hill's saying Tua Tagariola does anything close to Patrick Mahomes. That had to say He's going to say it's not because he's a quarterback of a – he's a quarterback, one of the biggest names in the NFL, if not the biggest name in the NFL, face the NFL, best quarterback in the league. He's got to be, you know, give the quote-unquote political answers, and he's not going to say, like, oh, yeah, uh, Tyreek Hill – Screw that guy. Hate that guy. No, he's going to give also super political answers, but that's sure sitting in the back of his head. Mahomes would literally there'd be, have to so many injuries would have to take place for Patrick Mahomes to miss this game. I understand Chad Henney is c- capable enough, I guess, to do a drive at a time or something like that, where he had the 98 drive against Jacksonville. I understand he played well against the Browns a few years ago when they went to the AFC Championship that year and, you know, clobbered the Bills. But Mahomes is not missing this. Mahomes is not missing the rest of the game unless he breaks his leg or breaks his ankle or tears his, even tears ACL. I don't even know if he's going to miss out for that. It completely changes game cuz he's very mobile quarterback that needs to move around the pocket. You saw how it changes throwing motion in a game against Jacksonville. Like it's he's going to play. And the Chiefs are favored now. I I don't know why though. I mean, there are some conspiracy theorists out there believe it or not that said that the Bengals were the favorite because people didn't know Patrick Mahomes. They knew Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to play. Again, who in their right mind actually thought Mahomes wasn't going to play this game? If he doesn't play this game, I will be absolutely shocked. I'll be shocked. There ain't no way in hell. They are hosting their fifth straight AFC Championship game, and Mahomes is going to miss it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. But in that one, again, Bengals are uh, Chiefs are a one-point favorite. I bet revenge is sitting on the mind of the Chiefs. Like, I remember last year, or earlier in the season, when the Bills came out that, uh, like, their ass were on fire against the Rams and Titans, absolutely blowing them out. It was like, oh, they're motivated from last year. They're pissed about the loss against the Chiefs. Oh, they're looking dominant. There's no way this team loses a game, and then they lose the next week to the Dolphins. Like, they're motivated, and the Chiefs are motivated, too. Like, the Bills and Chiefs arguably were the two most motivated teams going into the season based on how their season's ended because the Chiefs really should have beat the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. They choked that game away. And Brady, who, again, has been on the show before, he gets all upset playing the Bengals because the coaches just seemingly forget how to coach. Like, they get out-coached. The Bengals are just a very smart team. (laughs) Zach Taylor is a very smart coach. Bryce Callahan is a very good – or not Bryce Callahan. Brian Callahan is a very good offensive coordinator. Lou Amarillo – Really good defensive coordinator. they got coaches coming out the ass with very talented players. Again, it's like we talked about on Wednesday. When you have the talent and the coaching, you're unbeatable. Talent gets you so far. If you get out-coached, you can't win. That's what happened to the Bills, who do not have the talent to compete with the Chiefs, the Bengals anyways, apart from Allen and Diggs. Other than that, not really. They have pieces, but, uh, you know, just keep getting out-coached. Cannot keep, cannot keep getting out-coached. I think the Chiefs will win. I I don't really care who wins. Again, I I mean, I'd like to see Burrow, Ames versus Purdy in the Super Bowl, but it, it, I'm not going to cry if the Bengals lose this game. I'm not going to tear up if the Bengals lose this game. I think the Chiefs will be extra motivated going into this game, especially with Mahomes coming off an injury. I think that, I think they'll uh, come out and win this game, probably. or That's what I'm predicting, anyways. And then for the NFC side of things, a little more, uh, I don't know. This is, This is going to be a fun matchup. Again, these are just two really, really fun matchups here. Two really, really fun matchups. 49ers-Eagles. 49ers defense has been lights out all freaking season. All season they've been lights out. And the Eagles dominated the Giants last week. Dominate. I don't know how their averages are like this. The Eagles played one playoff game and they're averaging 28.1 points a game. I don't know how that works. But they're giving up seven points a game. So something screwed up there. I don't know what's going on with that uh <laughs> that uh that number there. But these teams are good. These teams are good. I saw a graphic today. It was from that show we talked about Wednesday that had Daniel Jones better than Jalen Hurts. There was a show that had Jalen Hurts the fourth best quarterback in the playoffs. I think he's third. I don't think how I don't know how the hell right now you can put Brock Purdy above Jalen Hurts. I understand he's the hot new thing in the NFL right now, and people are gonna latch on to that. The Brocky thing. I understand going to Philadelphia and everything. Come on. Come on. We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday about how this is kind of getting out of hand. Like, I understand cheering for Brock Purdy. I know, oh, it's awesome. He wasn't supposed to get drafted. Or if he was, it wasn't going to play, especially if a team that drafted a quarterback and traded everything up to get Trey Lance the year before. They have Jimmy Garoppolo there. Purdy's never going to play. Both get hurt. And now he's undefeated as a starter and playing well. But come on. Come on. Like, I was into this whole thing when it first kicked off, but it's kind of, let's chill out a little bit. Let's chill out a little bit. I understand he's playing well. He's not turning the ball over. He's playing within himself, which is what you need to do in Kyle Shanahan's system. But come on. Let's not sit here and act like he's the reason the Niners are where they're at. He's a reason. Like, Jalen Hurts is the main reason that the Eagles are where they're at right now. You look at offense. I know AJ Brown's a dominant wide receiver. I know they have Miles Sanders playing well this year. Devontae Smith's a good player, but you saw with the two games that Jalen Hurts didn't play, they lost to the freaking Saints, the Saints, the non-playoff going New Orleans Saints, who have if they had their pick would have a number ten pick in the NFL draft. Like the they lost to the Saints and Cowboys, and they maybe maybe they should have beat the Cowboys. Maybe they should have, but you cannot look at what the Eagles have done recently and go like, oh, Jalen Hurts is not insanely important to what the Eagles do. I think he's less important, and I'm saying this, like, as nicely as I can. He's less important to the Eagles' success than, like, Mahomes, Burrow, or Allen are to the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs' success, but he's still very important. The 49ers have proved this year that they could win with pretty much anybody. They've proved that the past however many years. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo's already been to a Super Bowl. With the, Niners, with the Niners as their quarterback. And Jimmy Garoppolo was not the reason the Niners were going to the Super Bowl. No one was pandering for Jimmy Garoppolo to get a long-term extension with San Francisco. That's why they traded up to draft Trey Lance. And then Trey Lance gets hurt in his second start this season. And Jimmy Garoppolo comes in. And they start winning again. Like, it took a little bit of time to get them going again. But Purdy playing well. I don't want to discredit anything Brock Purdy has done in his time at San Francisco. But, but, let's chill out a little bit. Let's chill out a little bit. The Niners are a very, very well-rounded team and have a lot of very good pieces. They have three pieces on their roster, on their offense, that lead the NFL in yards after catch in their respective positions, McCaffrey, Debo, Samuel, and Kittle. Like, they have a lot of very, very good people on their team. And Shanahan's been there, done that before. He's been to two Super Bowls, once as a head coach, once as an assistant. At least, at least I could think of two. He may, he maybe have gone to one more, but he'd been to at least one with the Falcons. But I think the Niners are going to win this game. I know Philly's an insanely tough place to play. Ask the Vikings fans, ask the Giants fans from the past <laughs> this time around. And then the Vikings, Eagles, and the NFC Championship game a couple years ago, and the Eagles won the Super Bowl. But I think the Niners are really good. I think they're good. I think they can lean on a lot of very important players, and I think that's why Purdy's playing as well as he is because he doesn't need to do anything. Or not? I need to word that better. He doesn't need. He's not asked to do a whole lot. I, I don't want to say he's not doing anything. He is, again, doing stuff. He's moving around the pocket very well. He sees the field well. But he needs to do a whole lot less for this team to win. That's the whole thing around Shanahan's system. We've talked about this a thousand times in the show. Where we talk about this is why he wanted Mac Jones rather than Trey Lance because he just needs a guy to run his system. Who can run it? Trey Lance will elevate the system because of his athletic gifts, he's got a strong cannon arm, he's big, he's fast, he's strong. Like He will elevate the system, or at least that's what they were hoping for before he got hurt. Purdy's the guy that Shanahan wants. Purdy comes in that mold of, he's not going to try to do anything stupid. And I think Purdy playing on this team versus what he was doing at Iowa State, more was on his shoulders at Iowa State. He's the greatest quarterback to ever play for Iowa State. He's arguably one of the greatest players to ever play for Iowa State. He is not that in San Fran, which is nice for him. He doesn't need to be anything more than what he is, and that's important. With a young quarterback, seventh-round seventh pick, pick 262, to get this far, lean on your playmakers. That's what they always said at William Penn. When you have a misread or you don't, you're not sure, make sure you just get the ball to your playmakers. To have Kittle and McCaffrey as checkdown options, have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk running across the middle – that is an abundance of riches with Kyle Shanahan in your ear, with Trent Williams blocking your blind side, with Kyle Uzchek also being utilized as a check down option? You got options and options and options. And it's just a matter of not being stupid, and then you can see succeed in this offense. And Purdy's had a much better NFL career than I ever thought he would. And he's only in his first year. But like again, let's calm down a little bit. Let's calm down a bit a little bit. I respect what he's doing. I think he's playing playing really, really well right now, given what he was and what expectations were going into the season. But he's not better than Jalen Hurts at this moment. I'm not saying it can't happen eventually, and if he wins this game, he's still not better than Jalen Hurts. At this moment in time, he's not a second-team All-Pro, like Jalen Hurts is. That's a fact. Like People could debate on who's better than who, but we know Jalen Hurts is a second-team All-Pro. Brock Purdy's not that. He can become that at some point in his career, but I ain't now. So if we're talking about the here and now, there's no way you can actually look at me dead in the eye and say Brock Purdy's better than Jalen Hurts. No way. Without trying to make some sort of joke or something. Or trying to be hip and cool or something like that. I don't like – like, the away teams in both games, people are saying they're the better quarterbacks, which they're just factually not. You can go with the wards, sure, but you just watch them. Hurts is better than Purdy, and Mahomes is better than Burrow. Like I think Patrick Mahomes, the disrespect towards Patrick Mahomes is kind of crazy because we saw that in the offseason, too. We talked about that in the offseason. Remember we had that list? I think it was a uh uh Ocho on ESPN where he went on a top five quarterback list, and it was something along the lines of, I deleted the screenshot, but it was like Allen, Herbert, Stafford, uh, Rodgers, and uh, – Burrow maybe, I don't really remember who all was in this list, but it was not like, I remember Stafford being in there I br- vividly remember Stafford being in there, and I was sitting there, I was like huh, and then people saying the Chiefs are done, like why is Mahomes just at that level now where he's so great to where if he does the slightest thing wrong, people come after him like, is this is this one of the situations that we're in right now? He's not worse than Burrow, and Hurts not better bur- worse than Purdy I think Burrow's better than Hurts, but that's a totally different issue that we're dealing with here. I think it goes Mahomes, Burrow, Hurts, Purdy. I think that's your playoff quarterback rankings for the guys that are left. And I, I would also like to point out this. When we talked about Daniel Jones being a top 10 quarterback on Wednesday, it was <laughs> I went back and actually like looked it over. He's closer to the top 10 than what I originally gave him credit for. I don't think he's top 10. I definitely don't think he's top 10, but I do think he hovers somewhere around like the thir- 15 to 13 range at this point in time, especially given his first game of the playoffs against the Vikings, his first ever playoff game. Given the supporting cast as well, I think he deserves to be a little not in top 10, but around that conversation. And I, I want to take credit for this because I defended this dude for like the past two years. You can go back and listen to however many shows you want, we defended this dude forever. And now it's starting to reap the benefits, I guess. I don't know. They're talking about getting a long-term extension with him and Barkley. No franchise tags needed, which I'm not surprised. I would just try to get that dude locked up. And I saw something about the Giants are pursuing Odell Beckham Jr., which is uh interesting. He's the current favorite. or The Giants are the current favorite to land Odell Beckham Jr.'s c- signature. But we'll see, it as, see if it happens. But as far as this playoff round goes... Uh, I'm going Niners and Chiefs. So we're going to have a rematch of Super Bowl... What Super Bowl is that? 53? 54? I don't remember what the number... I don't even remember what the Roman numeral was back then. But there was a different quarterback situation here. Mahomes is still there, but he uh, got <laughs> Brock Purdy. I never thought I'd utter those words. Never thought I'd utter those words. When he was a freshman at Iowa State, I never thought one day that this dude would be quarterbacking against Patrick Mahomes in the freaking Super Bowl. If you thought that, I don't believe even the most diehard Iowa State fan believed that. I don't believe that at all. You can be the most diehard fan ever. No one actually thought that he was gonna be where he's right now. And that's where he deserves, deserves respect. Okay. But let's not get let's not get ahead of ourselves here. He's played what, seven games? Let's get it let's not get ahead of ourselves. I'm sorry. But with Purdy, with this, uh the the awards for NFL honors have popped up. I think they've got all the finalists sorted out. I think it's all of them. And Brock Purdy is a finalist for uh, Offensive of Rookie of the Year, which I'm not surprised about. I'm not surprised about. We talked about that um, a couple weeks ago where I was like, I think he deserves to be a nomination. I don't know what the, the tier list is or what the – what do you call it? The criteria is for a guy getting a Rookie of the Year nomination. I don't know how many – if there's a specific number of games you need to play. Or something like that. But obviously he played enough because he's a finalist. And it goes along with Kenneth Walker and Garrett Wilson from the Jets. Now, Purdy, this is where it gets interesting. Because I've seen a lot of people talk about this on Twitter. Brees Hall, we're sticking with the Iowa State theme, was better for his team. Or not, he was more, how do I word this? Brees Hall's performances individually were better than Purdy's. But Brees Hall tore his ACL. Brees Hall would have won the award had he not torn his ACL. He tore it against the Broncos. I don't remember what week it was, but if Brees Hall didn't tear his ACL, he'd win this. Looking at the other options, so Kenneth Walker, very instrumental to my fantasy football championship this year. Got to mention him. Got to give respect to him. Garrett Wilson, he was also on my team this year too. So you know what? Credit to both of you guys. Credit to both y'all. But with Kenneth Walker that I think's interesting is that he was not really playing earlier in the season. And then he, well, he had a hernia coming into the season, and then he didn't really start playing until Rashad Penny got hurt. Like, you look at his first however many games the NFL, his first four games, four, three, eight, eight carries. And that game against New Orleans, his on uh, October 9th, he had eight carries for 88 yards. But the games before that, eight carries, 29 yards, three carries for 19 yards, four carries for 10 yards. So the fact that Duke got 1,000 yards this season is really impressive. Dude got 15, uh, 1,050 yards with nine touchdowns. Like, that's impressive. That is very impressive. The Seahawks relied heavily on him, especially towards the latter parts of the season. Look, the last three games in the regular season, 26 carries, 23 carries, 29 carries against the Chiefs, Jets, and Rams. They relied on him heavily in those games. Heavily, heavily, heavily. And he, can't, he was injured against the Rams. He had only three carries in that game. Came back against the 49ers which I think he was injured the week prior to that and came in with 12 carries. So I don't think, I think there was a point where he was hurt during that period as well. But dude balled out. I give respect to Kenneth Walker. I give a lot of respect to Kenneth Walker. And then you look at Garrett Wilson, Uh, Garrett Wilson's a baller. We knew this going into the season though. Like dude was an absolute beast at Ohio State. He was the best receiver. He was the alpha dog on Ohio State's trident of wide receivers, which we've learned is even deeper than that. When you include the likes of Jamison Williams, who transferred from Ohio State to Alabama, and Marvin Harrison Jr., and Mecca Ibuka, Julian Fleming. Like, there's so many good wide receivers that were a part of this, and he was the alpha dog of that team in regards to the receiver position. And Garrett Wilson, 1,000 yards this season. 1,100 yards, four touchdowns this year. Given all the different quarterback situations the New York Jets had this year, the fact that dude got 1,100 receiving yards, which is good for 15th in the NFL this year as a rookie, with a mixture of Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson and Mike White and Chris Strievler. getting that game in against the New England uh against the, the Jaguars. Like that's impressive. Garrett Wilson balled out this year. Given all the different quarterbacks he played with four different quarterbacks this season. Four. And dude still put up 1100 yards and had 83 receptions as well. Like dude had 83 receptions, had 147 targets. By far the most in both respected categories on the New York Jets. By far. Led the team in touchdowns as well. Like, yeah, Garrett Wilson definitely deserving there as well. And then we'll look at Brock Purdy. The thing is, it's a regular season award. It's a regular season award. So we can't include his playoff performances yet. And he's had a good playoffs. He's had a very good playoff run. You look at that game against Seattle. He played very, very well against Seattle. Regular season, he played nine games, which is more than what I thought he did. But he made some cameo appearances at the beginning of the season um had a 1300 yards 13 touchdowns four interceptions and then also on the ground had nine carries for wait what oh no no that's games play 22 carries sorry for 13 yards with a touchdown there as well if i had to make a prediction about who was winning this i would be willing to bet brock purdy wins this because i think it was kind of a situation like do you remember a few years ago when malcolm brogdon won rookie of the year in the nba do you remember that like Malcolm Brogdon, solid player, solid player in the NBA. And it was between him and Joel Embiid for Rookie of the Year. And given how their careers have trajectory, how their careers have like split off, it's kind of interesting to see. But not saying Brogdon's a bad player or anything. Brogdon's a really good uh, role player for the Celtics right now, or just a good role player in the NBA in general. But he was the second round pick. His second round pick. Expectations were not of him to win Rookie of the Year. And he only averaged 10 points a game. He averaged 10 points, four rebounds started only 28 games in rookie year and came away with rookie of the year in 2017. And then again, that was above Joel Embiid cuz that was around the time the same like everybody was like, "Oh, you can't win rookie of the year if you, you know, whatever. You cut you play your rookie year or something like that or do you sit out your rookie year, whatever." But he went over Joel Embiid. Hindsight's one thing, but Joel Embiid that season, Joel Embiid's first real season in the NBA. He averaged 20 points a game. (laughs) It averaged 7.8 rebounds. But the expectations were different. The expectations were not Malcolm Brogdon being that key of a role player for the Milwaukee Bucks that season. Like, 10 points a game is nothing that impressive when you're talking about Rookie of the Year candidates. It's not. So when you're looking at expectation given what actually happened in the season, that's where Brock Purdy winning Rookie of the Year will shout out. Because no one expected Brock Purdy to be even in this situation in general, let alone have a chance to win the award. So I think that will be a key here. And it's the same thing when the Cowboys, Dak Prescott and Zeke's rookie year. When Dak came home with Rookie of the Year. Dak was a fourth-round draft pick. Zeke was the third or fourth overall pick in the draft. So again, expectations for Zeke versus Dak were completely different. And he's a quarterback. Which, as we've learned in the NFL the past however many years, quarterbacks dominate award shows. And this is why I think Brock Purdy will ultimately win. Rookie of the Year, though, he only played 10 games, 13 touchdowns, nothing like astronomical or anything. But he's probably going to come away with Rookie of the Year honors. If not, I would give it to uh, – I like both of them. I would give it to Garrett Wilson, though. Just given how the different circumstances he had with five, four different quarterbacks for the Jets and their offensive coordinator got fired. So it's kind of a <laughs> – I would probably lean towards Garrett Wilson, but I think Purdy will win it. For Defensive Player of the Year, you don't really have a wrong option here. I like all of them, Sauce Gardner, Aiden Hutchinson, Tarek Wollin, but Sauce Gardner made first-team All-Pro. I mean, That kind of writes itself, doesn't it? He's the first rookie cornerback to make first-team All-Pro in like 41 years or something, or 61 years, some insane amount of years, and he was first-team All-Pro. So if he doesn't win rookie of the year, I'd absolutely be shocked. But I think all three of those guys are worthy. I think all those guys are very good players. Obviously drafted in different positions, Sauce Gardner, third, fourth overall pick, Hutchinson, second overall pick, Tarek Woolen, I think was a fourth-round draft pick. But we knew he was going to be a dominant player. You saw him at the combine. And you know, I'm not massive, like, massive, massive on the combine. But for as big as that dude is, he should not be able to move like that. He's six foot four, and he moves like that. Like, dude's absolutely ridiculous. And they got another rookie, Kobe Bryant, in the slot. Like, they got two really, really good corners in this draft. The tra- Seahawks drafted really well. Drafted really well. Got Kenneth Walker in there as well. But I th- if I had to make predictions on this for rookie of the year, Brock Purdy and Sauce Gardner would be my pick. For MVP, I was kind of surprised, but not really. Not, no, I wasn't surprised. This this is the top five, I think. If you d- think differently on the MVP voting, I, I think you're kind of crazy. At least through the five people that are here, you might think of a different order. But the MVP candidates are Allen, Burrow, Hurts, Jefferson, Mahomes. And Jefferson tweeted it kind of in jest of a <laughs> just happy to be nominated, which is unfortunate. But yeah, that's how it works. Like we said, I, I think Justin Jefferson, had he broke the receiving record, I think he would have. I think he should have won MVP. There were times Mahomes was kind of up and down this year. I know Mahomes blew out everybody in passing statistics, but if Justin Jefferson, if he actually broke the receiving record, I think we'd have serious conversation about him actually being MVP. I think he'll come away with the Offensive Player of the Year award. I don't think that's going to be an issue. And the Offensive Player of the Year award is between uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Patrick Mahomes. I think Jefferson's got that. I think he's got that one. I don't think Mahomes was because when you see a uh, MVP win Offensive Player of the Year, they have to be like insane. Like insane, like Lamar Jackson uh, breaking the quarterback rushing record in the season, or Patrick Mahomes throwing 50 touchdowns his first season as a starter. Like it was one of those things where you have to have that dominant year to win both awards. And I think Jefferson did enough to win the Office Player of the Year award. But the, the reality is he'll probably come last in the MVP voting. That's probably the reality of what it is because quarterbacks dominate award shows. And you just look at the all pro votes again. I know it could be a little bit different with these MVP voters, but Mahomes will win it. Mahomes will win it. I think Hurts will come second. I think... Uh, I think I'm biased. I'll go Allen third, Burrow fourth. I think Burrow and Allen will rotate at third and fourth, and just Justice Jefferson fifth. And then Mahomes will win it. Hurts will probably come second. But if Hurts doesn't come second, I'd be intrigued to see who jumps above him. Because he only had one second team All-Pro. He only had one vote for All-Pro. So... There is a chance. It's not like he came out with 20 votes or something like that. No, he only had one. So we'll see how that one goes. Defensive player of the year, no, even really need to talk about. Uh, Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, Chris Jones. Uh, Yeah, it's Nick Bosa. It's Nick Bosa. There's no really no point to talk about that one. I think Micah Parsons is dominant. I think all those players are dominant, but it's Nick Bosa. Comeback player of the year, Barkley, McCaffrey, Geno. I think it has to be Gino Again, it's a quarterback thing. Geno Smith had been a backup quarterback for the past seven years or something like that. Got drafted second round in 2013. And hadn't played, got uh, traded or released from the Jets, signed with the Giants, and then went to the the Seahawks. Sat behind Russell Wilson. They were expected to do absolutely nothing this year. Like they were going to be one of the favorites to be the first overall pick. And they go out and make not only make the playoffs, but play well, play very well. So shocked everybody. That has a lot to go with do with what they drafted this year. Like they drafted two tackles who both started, Charles Cross at nine, and Abraham Lucas from Washington State later in the draft. Like, you look at some of the players the Seahawks drafted this year. They had an absolutely ridiculous draft. Like, people point out the Jets won a lot. I mean, Garrett Wilson, obviously, uh, Sauce Gardner, Jermaine Johnson, Brees Halt. Like, they had a really, really, really good draft. I don't want to take anything away from that. But, man, Seahawks get Charles Cross, uh, Kenneth Walker, Abraham Lucas, uh, Tarek Wolin, Kobe Bryant with a C, And we're like they for expectations. I think Geno has to win it. He didn't have an injury like McCaffrey or or Barkley did. I think Bark. I think McCaffrey going from the Panthers to the Niners and completely transforming that offense and becoming the number one option on that offense for a team that had Debo Samuel and George Kittle. I think he definitely deserves votes. But I bet Geno will win that award against a quarterback thing. Uh, Coach of the year. uh, It was Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, Doug Peterson, Kyle Shanahan, Nick Sirianni. I think Dable should win it. I think it's really between Dable and Sirianni. I think Peterson will probably finish third. Because Peterson, given how, again, how they started the year versus how they finished, they ended up winning a playoff game. It's a similar situation to what the Seahawks and Giants did this year. But, like, number one overall pick in April. And they win a playoff game. Not only make the playoffs, they not only win the division, make the playoffs, they win a playoff game, and they're being down by 27 At halftime, or not at halftime, but they were down at twenty-seven at one point in that game, down twenty at halftime, and they performed the third biggest comeback in NFL playoff history, only by behind the Colts or the Bills, Oilers game and the Colts Chiefs game. So I would, if I'm doing this based off what I expect these teams to do, Dable and Sirianni or Dable and Peterson should be the top two guys. I thought Bills, Niners, and Eagles would all win their... Not, I didn't think the Niners would win their division, but I thought they would all make the playoffs comfortably. I had them all making the playoffs. I said Jalen Hurts before the season started be a top-ten quarterback, and he's top-four, and he's an MVP candidate. So I don't really think expectations on the Eagles were like, oh, my God. But if I had to give sympathy... Like, and Dable, obviously, being a, a former Buffalo Bills guy... I've got to give my respect to Brian Dable. So I think Dable should win it, and I think Peterson should come second, but Sirianni obviously will be mentioned up there as well for having the best record in the NFL. Given how his opening press conference was, I guess you could say that expectations for him coming in were not this, and yet here they are. And then assistant coach of the year, Brian, Ben Johnson, D'Amico Ryans, and Shane Steichen. So Shane Steichen is the office coordinator for the Eagles, D'Amico Ryans the D coordinator for the Niners, and Ben Johnson the office coordinator for the Lions. D'Amico Ryans will get a head coaching job somewhere. Uh, apparently the Broncos are really interested in him, and rightfully so. And they have the number one defense in the NFL, so he'll probably win it. I would imagine he'll win it. But Ben Johnson, when you saw Jared Goff got traded the Ram, or the, the, from the Rams to the Lions, how many people thought he'd be the quarterback going starting quarterback going into his third season? Like he just finished his second season in Detroit, and now he's going into his third season, and he's going to be the starter next year. Like, the Lions' offense, compared to what their defense was, is top, top tier. The Lions were one game away, really, from making the playoffs. They ended the Packers' postseason hopes. They had the third most passing yards per game in the NFL this season. you look at total offense, they're not as, you know, astronaut. Wait, no, 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 no. What am I doing? That's defense. I was looking at the wrong thing. They're fourth in the NFL. In total offense, and regards to passing offense, they're not outside. Okay, I was on defense. They were giving up. <laughs> they were third because <laughs> I was like, oh, the Vikings are up there pretty high, and they're up here on high this on this list too. But they were second, and obviously it's passing defense. <laughs> but being top four in the NFL with DeMar with uh, DeAndre Swift being injured a lot this year, and Jamal turning Jamal Williams into a thousand yard running back, breaking Barry Sanders' touchdown record for a season, or at least tying it. I can't remember if he broke it all together or not. Like, he deserves some praise. But, I, again, I think D'Amico Ryans will win the award. And I, I'm not saying here, like, oh, D'Amico Ryans doesn't deserve the award. He definitely does, given how good the Niners' defense is. But Ben Johnson and Shane Steichen. I mean, I don't want to act like Shane Steichen's a slouch here. Shane Steichen has put per- a lot of stuff into that Eagles offense this year. But, again, I think D'Amico Ryans will probably win it. So there's my award predictions. These just came out yesterday. So we've got Most valuable Player, I think Mahomes will win it. Defensive Player of the Year, I think Bosa will win it. Odds player of the Year, I think Jefferson will win it. Uh, rookie of the Year, I think Purdy will win it. Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, I think Gardner will win it. Comeback Player of the Year, I think Geno Smith will win it. Coach of the Year, I think Dable will win it. And assistant Coach of the Year, I think Ryan's will win it. So that's my official awards. It's my officially official awards. And we had a lot of coaching change. We brought up Ryan's possibly being linked with the Broncos, possibly linked with the Texans, obviously being a former player of the Houston Texans. He's going to get linked there heavily. But We've got, we've got some coaching news to talk about here. And that's one of Frank Reich being hired as the Carolina Panthers coach, which is not surprising by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Frank Reich's the first ever quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, not the first one they drafted. That would be Kerry Collins that they drafted in – what draft was that? 95. 95. Yeah, 90, 94, 95, somewhere around there. Because Steve McNair went three to Houston, and Kerry Collins from Penn State went to the, the – Panthers at fifth overall but Frank Reich yeah I I was concerned a little bit about Mr. Frank going into this offseason getting fired from the Colts having a really up and down time there with the whole trying to find a quarterback situation going wrong there not none really sticking none really working now he's getting another chance to head coach I was kind of under the impression that he'd be an offensive coordinator candidate somewhere but then once the Panthers were like oh we're interested in Reich it was like oh okay that makes sense I didn't, that didn't even cross my brain that that could be a possibility at the time. But yeah, that one makes a lot of sense. And apparently the finalists... So we you talk about Ken Dorsey interviewing for the job on Friday. You know, not focusing on the playoff game. Obviously getting outcoached again. Um, losing to the Cincinnati Bengals. But the finalists were like Frank Reich, Steve Wilkes, and... Um, there was one more in there, but I don't remember who it was. Maybe I'll f- find it. I don't know if I can find it or not. Because I don't even really know what to search. But... Yeah, congratulations to Frank Wright, but the dream's dead. The dream is dead. A lot of people, including myself, wanted Frank Wright to come back to Buffalo and be an OC. Not happening. Because obviously listening to the press conference with Brandon Bean sounds like Ken Dorsey's coming back for a second year. And the Bills did make a coaching change. They fired their spe- their secondary coach today. And hopefully that's the first domino to fall. Hopefully that's the first domino to fall. Because this guy had been with Sean McDermott since he came here in 2017. So maybe that's the first domino we fall there. But Reich's not coming as the OC. Ken Dorsey's going to be back next year regardless of what you want. Joe Brady, the quarterback's coach, has been linked with the Chargers offensive coordinator spot. He's too good of a coach to just be a quarterback coach. He needs to be an OC. And I think he'll eventually be a head coach in the NFL. But right now, he's just getting a OC job. And then Davis Webb, you know, played for the Bills, played for the Giants, has been offered the quarterback, it will be offered the quarterback coaching position for the Bills if and when um, Joe Brady leaves. That's if he leaves. Because obviously that's going to be a subject of that that's not going to happen if Joe Brady stays obviously but yeah it's a it's a fun time and then i saw this also with Frank Reich obviously being the former coach of the Colts the current favorite should be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts per reports per reports is Jeff Saturday Jeff Saturday yes that Jeff Saturday the one who was the head coach for a team that uh, gave up the biggest lead in NFL history to the Minnesota Vikings. What was it, a 33-point lead? Can't remember exactly what the number was. Wasn't watching it. We listened to it on the radio. We were in Buffalo at the time of the Bills-Dolphins game. So we didn't watch it, but we were listening to it on the radio. I can't remember. I think it was 33 points. Biggest comeback in NFL history. People are talking about he should be the first interim head coach to get fired. But little did we know, this is exactly what Jim Irsay wanted because Jim Irsay wants to get a quarterback. We know this, Chris Ballard, his job is bending, at. he's on his knees begging Ursay, let me draft a quarterback and it'll be fine. But I do not like Jeff Saturday getting a coaching job here. I could be completely wrong in hindsight, but man, given what happened this year, how lost they looked with some of their like get clock management things, you gotta go out and hire someone else. I know you didn't get your first pick in Jim Harbaugh with him going back to Michigan, but go out and get someone else. Apparently Eric Bieniemy is the other option there, but man, you cannot realistically tell me that Jeff Saturday is the number one option for the Indianapolis Colts. You look at all the other coaches that are possibly getting hired this year, like D'Amico Ryan's possibly going to Denver, Dan Quinn, who has been heavily linked with Denver in the past, but linked not as linked as heavily with Denver. Sean Payton will be up and out there somewhere, depending on where, I don't know where he's going to go, depending on who wants to give a first-round draft pick to the Saints. And then you hired Jeff Saturday. And we obviously talk about, like, Eric Bieniemy being an option there. There's other coaches that I'm probably forgetting about there, but those are, like, the main guys that are getting it. Steve Wilkes, coach for the Panthers, almost got him to a playoff berth. But, again, we talked about that where it was like, is that a success? You're so bad. Like, you, you go in the playoffs under 500. is that a success? You go from a top-10 pick to pick 19? I don't really know if that's considered a success. So, yeah, I – It'd be a weird uh, world to live in for that one. But Wilkes will get a coaching job somewhere. You got Vance Joseph will be interviewing for jobs somewhere. Uh, Jim Caldwell still gets linked with jobs every once in a while. Josh McCown was linked with Houston a bunch last year. They wanted to hire him. So maybe they might go out and hire him this year if D'Amico Ryans goes to Denver. Because I know he's probably going to be their number one down there in Houston. Brian Flores will probably be a D coordinator first and then get a head coaching job again. But... Jeff Saturday's not your number one guy. He can't be. You cannot try to usher in a new era in Indianapolis and go, Jeff Saturday, yes, great player. I don't want to take anything away from him as a player. Great player. One of the greatest centers of all time was Peyton Manning's center. He's one of the most famous centers of all time. Not just one of the best of it. He's one of the most famous. Everybody knows Jeff Saturday. Everybody's aware of Jeff Saturday. Everybody watched that Pro Bowl game where Jeff Saturday came in where he was on the NFC, he was with the Packers, came in and gave Peyton Manning his last snap. Like, That's what we remember. Like, don't hire him as a head coach. I think hiring former players can be cool, but you hired a beloved player and he sucks as a coach and then people's mindsets goes, oh my God, how do I view this player now? Do I love him the same or do I hate him now? Like, it's a very weird situation to live in. Like, Manchester United fans, they were dealing with something similar with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer over at Manchester United. One of the most legendary players ever. Beat Bayern Munich in the Champions League final in Barcelona. And he comes in as a manager, very up and down time there. And people are really, well, how do I view him now? Great player, but shit-ass coach. <laughs> I hope Jeff, like, you cannot usher in a new co- new era. Like, he has to ace the coaching hire. Like, in regards to, if, if they hire Jeff Satter, he has got to get an experienced staff around him. His coaching experience before he took the interim coaching job here was with a high school team down in Georgia. So maybe you see something I don't, but man, I would be a little nervous. I'd be a little, like, I cannot wait for Twitter to absolutely implode on itself. If and when the Indianapolis Colts not only hire Jeff Saturday as their head coach, but draft Will Levis. Like, you know how much that's going to absolutely destroy Twitter on Indianapolis or in Indiana or Colts fans everywhere? They're going to lose their ever-loving minds. But as it looks right now, that seems to be the favorite. <laughs> that seems to be the 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 favorite uh, favorite scenario to happen. That seems like it's likely to happen, regardless of how you feel about that. I think that's what's probably going to happen. I would hope it'd be Eric Bieniemy comes in comes into Indianapolis. But Jeff Saturday, I I don't know if I could get behind that one. I can't. <laughs> Maybe the enemy goes to Indianapolis and he's a OC for for uh, Jeff Saturday. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe they don't want to do that. But man, it's gonna abs- it's gonna be hilarious. It's gonna be hilarious. Now I saw this. Speaking of Levis, I saw this on Pro Football Focus on Twitter. I don't remember who tweeted it. it was someone quote tweeted it. I think I don't remember because I don't follow really anything on Pro Football Focus. But they said which QB has a higher upside. Because everybody obviously knows of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young because we watched them all the time at Ohio State and Alabama, respectively. Between But between Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, I think Richardson, if we're talking about the grand scheme of things in this draft class, I think Richardson is the most talented. In regards to, I think Bryce Young is, but if we're talking about pound for pound, but if we're talking, including size and power, like I think Richardson's the most talented. In that same breath, Anthony Richardson has the lowest floor by far. It's not even close. Out of the top four quarterbacks in this draft, Richardson may have the highest ceiling, but he has by far the lowest floor. Like the the dual, like the the graph that we're looking at with Trey with the uh, Anthony Richardson is similar ish to Trey Lance when he got drafted. Like it's pretty much the exact same thing. You got a guy that is insanely talented. He's got the size, arm strength, running ability. Lacks experience. Seems to. Uh, Sometimes make some questionable decisions. But you're like, oh my god, this dude's talented. This dude's talented as hell. Again, I bring these throws up all the time. Look at this throw against Western Kentucky. Or, what? jeez, I do it all the time. Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington. Look at that throw. Look at some of the throws he made against uh, Texas A&M. And the runs he made against A&M. And the runs he made against LSU. And the runs he made against Georgia. Like, Richardson is a very polarizing prospect who will divide draft rooms everywhere I would not be shocked the Raiders drafted him I would not be shocked at all because Josh McDaniels is a very egotistical guy I mean that doesn't come as a surprise to anybody I don't think I need to say that it kind of goes without saying doesn't it but he's one of those guys where it's seemingly like and the Raiders have done this in their entire history too so it's not even just McDaniels it's just the situation he's in too with the Raiders the Raiders have been one of those teams under the the leadership of Al Davis and now the bull cut Mark Davis or whatever you want to call that thing of drafting players that no one else would draft, or trying to outsmart everybody. Trying to outsmart everybody. They drafted Darius Hayward Bay, like 7th or 8th overall, when that wasn't even an option. They drafted Sebastian Janikowski and Ray Guy, a kicker and a punter, both in the first round. Josh McDaniels is the orchestrator of trading up, getting back into the first round, and taking Tim Tebow, so these, these are like one and the same. Josh McDaniels belongs with the Raiders in regards to mindsets. And that's where I think Anthony Richardson would come in. And it doesn't just come with the fact that Tim Tebow went to Florida as well. That's not the main thing here. Because Richardson is a better prospect than Tebow was. Like, you're just talking about natural ability. Tim Tebow's throwing motion is one of the wonkiest things you've ever seen. I don't, I'm not comparing their college careers. Tim Tebow's one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. First sophomore to ever win a Heisman Trophy. I'm not saying that, but in regards to prospect, because I've said this a thousand times, there's a difference between being a great college player and a great prospect. It doesn't always correlate. Being a great college player does not always correlate to being a great NFL player. It doesn't always correlate like that. There's a lot of Heisman Trophy winners back in the day that did absolutely nothing in the NFL. The best player in college football does not always mean you're going to be the best player in the NFL or one of the best. You have to have the tools, and Tebow... Does not have the same tools Richardson does. And it's weird they both wear 15. I just thought about that now. Richardson has a stronger arm. Richardson's not as powerful, but he's faster. He's a little bit bigger. At least he's taller. I think Tim Tebow's about 6'3". Richardson's about 6'4". But, man, he feels like a Raiders player, doesn't he? Like, if, if they don't... I don't think they'd trade up to get him. But if a team jumped... Let's say, hypothetically, the Colts take Levis, trade up to one, get Levis... And the, pan- the the Texans take Young at two. It's kind of a situation where I think Young's guaranteed to go to t- Houston. I'm almost ready to guarantee Young going to Houston. I think he's too talented. He's trying. He's with a nutritionist trying to get up to 210. We'll see how that one works out. But I think he's he's not going to run the 40. If he's trying to get up to 210, he ain't running the 40. There ain't no way. I I think he would run the 40 maybe if he was his normal size. But he's getting up to 210. He's bulking up 20 pounds, 25, 30 pounds. There ain't no way in hell Bryce Young is running the forty. I'd be really surprised if he did at this point. Like Kyler Murray didn't run the forty, Lamar Jackson didn't run the forty, but Bryce Young, his size—the thing that's the issue here—weight, weight is the issue. It's not really his height; it's the weight. Because you look at all the other small quarterbacks that have been drafted first overall or been high draft picks, they've had some weight to them. Bryce Young is tiny in regards to size. He's a like average height dude. At like least five ten to six foot. Which Kyler Murray was 5'10. Baker Mayfield was, I don't I believe he was six foot. Russell Wilson was under five or under six foot. Drew Brees was maybe six foot, but they were all bigger than Bryce Young. So that's the thing. So I don't think, I think he's not running the 40. I don't think that'd be smart. You're trying to put on weight. You're trying to bulk. You're not going to speed train. You're not going to speed train if you're trying to bulk. But I think he's going number two, especially if he gets to do 10. And then you got Stroud who I think is pretty much locked in to be the third quarterback taken, but it's a dependent on... So, as as much as I want to say Richardson going to the Raiders at seven makes sense, at least in my brain, I don't see a reality if the Panthers or someone else don't trade up above the Raiders that they don't take Stroud or Richardson. I think if they had a choice between the pair, I think you'd have to lean Stroud. You'd have to. But... If hypothetically the Panthers, let's say, trade up with like Seattle at five or Detroit at six, you're going to take CJ. Str- you're going to, then you're going to take Richardson because they're, I don't think Richardson goes before Stroud at this point. I know. I think we've kind of talked about that in the past just because of how talented this dude is. But again, that floor, the Florida ceiling ratio is the widest in this entire draft by a, a wide margin and not even close. I think he has the highest ceiling. I think he has the lowest floor. I think Levis' floor is relatively low. I think Stroud, I think those floor levels probably, and we're talking about lowest to highest, is probably Richardson, Levis, Stroud, Young. But ceilings, it probably goes Richardson, Levis, Young, Stroud. I I think what we're getting from Stroud is, I think what you see is what you get, kind of. I think I, I want Stroud to move more. Because I think he could definitely utilize that in his game. He can be like Joe Burrow a little bit. He doesn't need to move all the time. But he needs to run more. And you saw his mobility against Georgia in the, national cha- in the semifinal game. Pretty much the national championship game. But, yeah. Who has the higher upside? Again, Richardson. But that floor thing is going to be a big factor for a lot of people. It's going to be a big factor. And he played in this. Here's the thing with both Levis and Richardson, which is why a lot of people will like them in the draft. At least in my opinion. When you look at these two, both are very toolsy. Both are big dudes. Both of them are bigger than Stroud and Young. Both of them. They did not have the supporting cast anywhere near to the level of what Young and Stroud did at Ohio State and Alabama. Like, every single receiver, at, like, and even at Alabama, Alabama didn't have the same receivers at Ohio State. Ohio State was clear of everybody in, the national, like, in college football, maybe with Tennessee right behind them, in regards to receiving talent. And we're including Jackson Smith and Jigba in there, too. I don't care if he didn't play a lot this year. He played, like, three games. He's still included in there. But Marvin Harrison Jr. himself, Julian Fleming, Egmeka Ibuka, Cade Stover, if you want to go to the tight end. You got him there, too. Travion Henderson at running back. They had a, uh, Williams at running back, as well. Like, they had options on options for CJ Stroud. And the Big Ten is not better than the SEC. It's not. I know they played Georgia well. But they're not better than the SEC. And then you look at Richardson and Levis. Weapons-wise, terrible. Levis probably has the least amount of weapons at all of them. Maybe. Receiving-wise. He obviously had Chris Rodriguez at running back. But Richardson had Etienne. They had a nice little platoon system down at Florida. Etienne was a pretty nice back there. Ricky Pearsall was a nice little slot option for him as well. But Levis did not have a lot of options out wide. Levis had the worst offensive line by far. He had a new offensive coordinator come in as well. So it was kind of a situation where we didn't see what Levis is truly capable of. We didn't see that expected rise from him because of all the things changing around him. And some people out there would go, well, the good quarterbacks adjust. Well, in college, you don't really get that opportunity to adjust. It's kind of like hearsay. Like, you're doing what we wanted you to do. But they're playing the SEC. The weapons weren't there, so you know they can work with little to no weapons to a certain extent. Because they're going to go play with teams that have little to no weapons, for the most part. You're getting taken in the top ten. You're not going to a team that's going to go to the Super Bowl. I know the Jaguars are a freaking anomaly of going to the playoffs the year they had the number one overall pick. Trayvon Walker, again, first number one overall, number one overall pick of that same year's draft to play in the divisional round in 31 years or something. Like, it's an anomaly that that happens. It doesn't happen ever. Like, What are the top ten teams in the draft this year, or this past year? 2022 NFL Draft. So you have the Jaguars obviously make the playoffs this year. Then you have the Lions that make the playoffs, Texans that make the playoffs, Jets that make the playoffs, Giants made the playoffs, Panthers didn't make the playoffs, Falcons didn't make the playoffs, and the Seahawks did. So you've got one, two. So I guess we got double picks. So that's going to make things interesting because the Giants had two picks in the top ten, Jets had two picks in the top ten. So there's just two New Jersey teams with two picks in the top ten. But it doesn't happen often. That's what I'm really trying to say here, especially from the quarterback position. Kenny Piggy got drafted in the 20th spot. Didn't come close to making the playoffs. I mean, came close. They were, I guess they were in the final hurdle or something to make the playoffs, but they weren't making the playoffs. They weren't making the playoffs. But outside of, like, quarterback, out of the side of those two, the argument's going to be for the number one overall pick will be, or wherever the Bears pick, it'll be Anderson or Carter. Anderson or Carter are the two top picks there for the Bears, Uh, whether they're picking at one or four. And the Cardinals will have that discussion when they pick at three. Because unless the Cardinals trade out of that spot, Anderson or Carter going three, Anderson Carter will go four. Or the Bears stay at number one, Anderson Carter will go one. Like, that's just how it's going to work. I would trade back if I'm the Bears, but if you want a guy so bad, I wouldn't bother trading back. I would not even bother trading back. Like, you are guaranteed your choice of them. When you pick fourth, you're, you might not get the guy you really want. I know I don't really think there's a wrong option here. I think both are very important to a defense, especially the one the Bears are trying to build. Like, Matt Eberfluss, his defense, they want some edge rushers. They want some edge rushers. But, that being said, especially after training Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack, that being said, Ryan Poles from Kansas City had Chris Jones, Matt Eberfluss came from Indianapolis, who had force Buckner. So you have two very big, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, interior talents from these defenses. That's where Jalen Carter comes into play. And Daniel Jalen Jeremiah, who's a guy I really trust in this whole thing, he said it best, it is harder to find interior pass rushers or peer interior forces like Jalen Carter than it is to find edge rushers. I think edge rusher, if you look at it, I've said this a thousand times, the top three most important positions in the NFL are quarterback, tackle, and edge rusher. And when you're drafting, anyways, when you're drafting, those are your top three. But if there's a guy like Jalen Carter, you've got to have that discussion. And then you hear like people talking about, would you rather have had Nick Bosa or Quinn Williams? Quinn Williams obviously being the interior pass rusher, Nick Bosa being the edge rusher. One's a defensive player of the year, one just becoming a very good player now in Quinton Williams. Really like Warren Sapp when you look at the, the Buccaneers. Who was easier to find Warren Sapp or Simeon Rice? Like, it's one of those situations, too. So, again, you don't have a wrong pick here, really, if you're the Bears. You can trade out of the spot. You can get Carter. You can get Anderson. You can get either one at four, but you're going to not, maybe not have your main choice there. Because the Cardinals really need both, too. Cardinals need edge rushers, and they can use an interior president on three tech spot because Nick Joey, uh, JJ Watts retiring, and he led the team in sacks. So, that three tech spot's going to be open. Jaylen, or Will Anderson's not playing three tech. He's too small. he play outside linebacker easily. That's if the Cardinals keep the same defense. I guess that's we're sticking in hypotheticals here. He, they could switch to a 4-3 defense. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that one goes around. But the Bears control the draft. Bears control the draft. The Bears really control the Texans' fate as well. Because the Texans, again, I think they're going to take Bryce Young. But there could be a team that trades up above them to draft Bryce Young. I don't think it'll be the Colts. I don't think the Colts will be that team to trade up to draft Bryce Young. I think the Colts straight up. I think the Colts are taking Will Levis, regardless. We've talked about that quote, uh, that quote from Chris Ballard from a couple weeks ago. I'll see if I can find that one real quick because that's a uh, yeah. I want to make sure we're getting the best guy with the trait with best guy with traits. Let's bet on traits. Bet on high end, high end traits. As much as I love Bryce Young and think he's the best quarterback in the draft, and think I'm, how much I like CJ Stroud, they don't have traits like Levis or Richardson. And Richardson ain't going number one, regardless of what you think. And I like Richardson a lot. So you would think I would say, yeah, he's a – I think he has a like, very, very outside chance of going number one, like a 2% chance, but it's Levis. Levis will be the Colts pick whether they're picking at four or two – or four or one. There's also a hypothetical scenario where the Texans trade up and then the Bears trade up – trade back to two and then to four. There's also that scenario, so we'll see how that one works out as well. But we'll see how that one goes. But speaking of quarterbacks, uh, the Jets have the latest team to do the we'll hire Aaron Rodgers friends and hopes Aaron Rodgers comes to us. Because remember, Aaron Rodgers, the Broncos were going really hard on Aaron Rodgers. So they hired Nathaniel Hackett, his ops coordinator in Green Bay. And they didn't end up getting Rodgers. He signed an extension in Green Bay. But, ah, oh crap. I spilled my Easy Eddie everywhere. I just dropped it on my foot. Oh, there's Easy Eddie everywhere. Good thing it's so delicious. That I, could, I, 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 don't, wanna, I, don't, I don't know. We're going to have to finish this up here in a little bit. But this is the last thing I really want to talk about. Um, hiring Hackett. It obviously didn't work for the Broncos. They had to go out and get Russell Wilson. Maybe that's the reason Hackett didn't work out because he didn't have the quarterback that runs the system exactly right. Maybe that was the problem. Or he's just not a good offensive coordinator or got a good coach. I mean, I watched this dude coach the Bills with E.J. Manuel. I know what he can do. He's not that great. But, you know, you look at that drought team. We talk about this all the time. You look at that drought team. I want to hire some offensive people from them. Look at that awesome offense. Greg Roman and Thale Hackett go to the Jets. So this is only the only reason. That they hired Hackett. You cannot hire him based off last year. You cannot hire him based off last year. But the only reason they hired Hackett is because they think they're getting Rodgers. Broncos thought it. Now the Jets think it. But that being said, I think the Jets have a better shot at Rodgers than the the Broncos do. But I don't know what like the value of Rodgers is in regards to like trade. Why do you trade for Aaron Rodgers? What are you trading for a 38, 39-year-old quarterback? They have the 13th overall pick in the draft. Do you trade that for Rodgers? You trade a first-round pick for a 38-year-old quarterback who's toyed with the idea of retirement the past however many off-seasons? So I I don't know what you trade. That's my big issue here. And I think Aaron Rodgers would be really – and I saw this on Twitter too. Um, This is from RV, or Ari Mirrov. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. I'm sorry. I'm, I apologize. He said, If the Jets truly believe in Zach Wilson, it's not crazy to think the best thing for him would be to bring in Aaron Rodgers – And let Zach Wilson sit behind him. Wilson grew up admiring Rodgers, and Rodgers has spoken highly about Wilson. Yeah, I think that's fair. You hear Joe Douglas a couple weeks ago talk about how they still have faith in Zach Wilson. So you bring in Rodgers, and they'd be fine. I think they have similar-ish skill sets. I think they have similar-ish skill sets. I'm not saying Zach Wilson will become Rodgers or is Aaron Rodgers or anything like that. He has a similar-ish play style to Aaron Rodgers, at least young Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see if that actually happens, but I... Again, I don't know what the value is for a 38-year-old quarterback. Like, the difference between him and Brady this offseason, you're not trading for Tom Brady. You're signing him. So I don't... Like, Brady to the freaking Raiders, I think, makes it all the sense in the world with Josh McDaniels being there as OC from, uh, from New England. But you don't need to trade for him. Aaron Rodgers is undoubtedly a first-ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. We know this. It's not really up for debate. We know this. The problem is you're not trading for 28-year-old Aaron Rodgers you're trading for 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers who's coming off missing the playoffs and probably having one of the worst years of his career so it's going to be cuz i saw a mock draft today they had the the packers picking at a, at 13 or spin zone they're trading for Jordan Love maybe that's the thing cuz Minnehola Hacker was obviously there when Jordan Love was there so maybe that's the maybe that's what they're doing maybe that's exactly what the the packers are doing Train Jordan Love to the to the jets maybe that's the the option but uh yeah i think that's all i've got for you that we got some pretty cool coaching hires so hack getting hired congratulations we got Wright getting hired and that's pretty oh bill o'brien gets hired by new england joe judge obviously not very uh liked over there according to some reports today uh matt patricia obviously not a good coach there as well either the Defensive coordinator going to the odds coordinator I, i'm surprised that didn't work out But congratulations to those guys getting hired. Congratulations to the nominees for NFL Player of the Year honors and stuff like that. And is that all I've really got? Is that all I've got for you today? Oh, I saw this. Uh, Several NFL scouts will probably believe that Jackson Smith and Jigba is wide receiver three in the NFL. ESPN's Todd McShay said that he believes the Ohio State wide receiver is, quote, not a first-round pick. And I think that comes down to the fact that he's, like, 99% a slot. Like, the people, remember back in 2020 when people talk about Justin Jefferson being a slot guy? That was different because he would have some reps on the outside. Jackson Smith and Jigba, every single catch he's had, apart from eight, are from the slot. It's a little bit different. So I understand somewhat of the hesitancy around Jackson Smith and Jigba, especially hamstring injuries, because that's a scary injury in the NFL. Not necessarily for a long, like, oh my god, we're going to lose it for a year, but, I mean, hamstring injuries, that can affect you for your entire career. Some people know you get over hamstring injuries. So we'll see how that one goes. I think he's a first round draft pick. I saw reports of receivers, like teams are more comfortable, quote unquote, picking receivers in the second round rather than the first round. So, like in Jigba, uh Johnston from TCU, Addison, Hyatt, J- Zay Flowers from Boston College. Maybe they go there. We're going to see receivers in the first round. That we're not going to not see them. Like, even in 2019, people weren't that high in the receiver draft. And that receiver draft's freaking ridiculous. You look at some of the players that were drafted in the second round, like, or just in day two, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, like, that was a really good receiving class that a lot of people slept on, and Marquise Brown was drafted in the first round, and then Nikhil Harry was drafted the last pick of the first round. It's like, when people didn't look at that draft class highly, they still drafted some receivers in the first round. So there were going to be receivers in the first. I think Ajigba will be one of them, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. And I think that's all I've pretty much got for you. I think that's all I've got for you. Uh, oh, we'll end on this. Uh, Josh Allen's better than Prime Cam Newton. That's something, too. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. Someone said uh, people actually compared Josh uh, Josh Allen to Cam Newton. Get real. Let me know when 17's doing this, and then you could just look at Josh Allen's best year. It has 10% higher completion percentage than Cam Newton ever did. <laughs> Cam Newton's MVP season had 59% completion percentage. Josh Allen had 69% completion percentage when he came second. Josh uh, Matt, uh, Cam Newton's never had a uh, forty five hundred thirty five touchdown season in his NFL career. Like it's, let's chill out here. Like and there, people want to discredit Josh Allen with the turnovers. Uh, Cam Newton has a more has a higher interception ratio than Josh Allen does. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't want to disrespect Cam Newton too much. I've never been the mo- the biggest fan of Cam Newton. Or four thousand yards, thirty five touchdowns in three straight seasons. Cam Newton never had that one time, let alone doing it multiple seasons in a row. I I've never been a massive fan of Cam Newton. I always thought he was slightly overrated. And I thought he's respectfully I thought he should retire a couple of years ago because his body's dead pretty much. But um, yeah, Josh Allen's better than Cam Newton. I know Cam Newton won an MVP, but Josh Allen will be diving for that football in the Super Bowl. I can promise you that. Look at this game against Dallas in the the regular season a couple of years ago. Tell me Josh Allen's not diving for that football. You're crazy. That's just one of the thing. one of the other reasons why. But that's all I've got for you today. We've got to end it on a little bit of a note like that. <laughs> gotta have some fun with it. Gotta have some fun. We'll get people talking about the for the next so we got clickbait. Clickbait journalism. That's what we want. That's exactly what we want. Yeah. I mean, Cam Newton threw for four thousand yards one time in his career as a rookie year. But yeah, they're they're it's not it's not like it's astronomical between Josh and Cam, but Josh is better than Cam Newton. I think you're ignorant to think otherwise at this point. I, I could be biased. I don't care. <laughs> that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not, uh, let me know. Leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Leave a five-star rating. It could be a one-star rating or a five-star rating. Don't care. Also, it could be a two, three, or four-star rating as well. But uh, make sure you follow me on all forms of social media. Make sure you're following the Apple Podcasts and Spotify account. And I will see you all later. Peace.